And welcome back, rugby fans, of course, to the Rugby Debate Show. We put ourselves and our guests to the test for top honors. We have our ranters here today to battle it out against one another. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, joined by, of course, Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott, the big guy, Ferrara, and bringing in the, the muscle, the, 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 the talent, the gab, the gift, everything that it may be to the show. We've got uh, big John Cullen who formerly you might know him as, of course, an eagle himself, then, of course, from the Utah Warriors, and now more recently giving back to uh, domestic rugby at the amateur game level with the Des Moines Rugby Football Club in my hometown, which is why I had to give them one extra piece, one extra point for uh, John right from the start. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Go local, baby, go local. So here we are once again to be able to debate the topic at hand. Now, naturally, we always stay current with what's happening in rugby, and this week we're going to be able to talk about the USA Eagles first, Uruguay, in the first of two matches in the continuing saga that is the Rugby World Cup qualifiers for that competition in France in 2023. The first round of which was competed against Canada, uh, the USA coming out on top in the second leg where it was held in Glendale, Colorado at Infinity Park. This matchup from the past weekend held in the same location. The scoreline, much more narrow affair than some may have originally believed. Some predictions from Dave Fee were rather large. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, of course, another regular to the show. But the scoreline, for those of you not familiar, is well, was 19-16. to 16. Our ranters here are each going to be given two minutes to be able to talk about the topic at hand. Continuing to go over the two minutes, we'll fill them uh, with a yellow card, what we like to be able to call the cheese. Continuing to infringe may promote them to the red, and they are out for the next rant. So, gentlemen, with the rules being understood... We need to first take a moment before our first ranter to remind our viewers that what we do here on the Rugby Rant is brought to you with the help of our partners at Rugby Coffee. Rugby Coffee is one of those ethically sourced rugby brands that is creating special North American blends for you as the rugby fan and in doing so is continuing to give back to rugby communities across the U.S. and Canada because 10% of all of their profits will be given back to youth rugby to help those programs develop once again, both here in the U S and further North in Canada. So what better reason do you need to enjoy a cup of rugby coffee? Well, we're going to give you the option to choose between two. You got the crowd favorite, a wonderful mellowed blend in easy drinking favorite for most. But if you prefer something a little more bold and a little bit uh, bigger, that would be the Jouet Jouet. It is that French roast. Again, go and check them out at rugbycoffee.com to be able to help give back to youth rugby because 10% of every purchase will go back to being able to develop youth rugby. So what better reason do you need to enjoy coffee, right? So gentlemen, With that being said, we're going to hand the mic as we usually do as tradition to our guest ranter to have first honors and first crack at the rant. So, John, take it away. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a win. It was an ugly win, and it was a typical USA versus Uruguay win. Um, Anyone who expected a scoreline outside of seven points, I would say you were kind of outside of your mind in the history between – uh, these two countries. 
I think the biggest problem and what may surprise some people because of the high score with Canada and this low score, I, I still think we don't have an identity with the USA Eagles. I think they probably have a good culture between the boys and whatnot, then that's all great. But all of our results are player driven and not identity driven. And I think mm-hmm. until we find a way to, to make that leap or establish that and make fix that, you're always you're gonna see these weird score lines. It, it's gonna be this, oh, it's competitive against England, and then you get stomped by Ireland, and then you lose to Canada, then you kill Canada, and it's because our results are not identity based, they're player based, right? Okay, AJ's AJ starting, AJ and Paul are in the back line. Okay, we play well. Oh, it's this this combination, so we don't play well. There's no kind of fill into an identity. So it's just like, oh, well, we got this group and we'll see what happens. And, you know, I'm not saying like these are not bad guys. They're not not playing hard, but there's no they don't have an identity, a mold and a marker to like play to. It's just like, hey, you guys get out there, follow the game plan and do your best. You know, like you see some of the, you know, the tier one nations, good, bad, and different. We've all been in the, you know, we we're all in the social media world of the through the rugby championship and whatnot. But you know what New Zealand's going to be when they step on the field, regardless of the 15. You know what South Africa is going to be when they step on the field, regardless of the 15. England, same. Ireland, the same. These all these countries, the same. USA is like up on your two minutes. USA is about. Oh, we've got this player in this position, so we're going to play well. So we, we, we have to find our identity as a rugby team and a rugby culture, and these results will actually start making sense instead of this randomness of players' performance. It's probably not your first time in your career, but you're getting the yellow. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I've seen too many of those. But, you know, it's, it, what you say has a lot of great merit to it. So let's just rewind a little bit. And essentially what it boils down to, uh, as you said, is that they don't have the, the, the team identity. Right? They're not known for anything in particular except maybe a few key players. And your entire game strategy can't be pinned on the success one player because if they don't deliver well what's next right so okay aj mcginty's not playing oh i guess we're gonna go with uh, this one and we're gonna go with this okay well that person's not playing that's really a reactive it's not a strategy it's just reactive to the situational uh, uh you know play that you have available and then yes to the other side of it i love when a coach can also say hey i've got talent in the team if they know the game plan, I'm also going to give them the ability to use their, you know, their intuition as a player, to use their instincts. If they choose to be able to make that, that long pass is that isn't in the strategy, but it's a moment of magic, great. But you can't rely on moments of magic to exist every game. You know, yes, uh, the, the New Zealand seemingly gives you that moment of magic every game but they're at the highest level south africa managed to do that moment of magic with the kwanya um a uh, little backhanded pass and everybody like oh south africa can play this way but it's about the you know the training they need to first know the tactics they need to know their identity and they need to work to their strengths so to add to your point i don't think they're working to the strengths of the team they're working to the strengths of an individual right yep 100 percent I think it's a really strong opening argument, and we're going to hand it over to uh, Rob Hammer to uh, let us know. 
Thanks. So what was interesting is I actually had to watch this uh, match on Sunday rather than live on Saturday. And so I kind of saw some of the social media chatter. And one of the things I commonly saw was that the finishers didn't finish very well. Right. And they were complaining about the finishers. And so I really expected as I was watching the game, because I knew what the scoreline was, I really expected the U.S. to really drop the ball. And, and it almost was like they lost the match. That's kind of the chatter. Um, interestingly, though, I really thought Uruguay didn't play a bad game. They just had difficulty converting points uh, mm-hmm. when they were in the green zone. Right. They showed some periods where they could be really, really dangerous. Um, they clearly had a game plan at the lineout to avoid, you know, Cam Dolan. They did, I think, three short lineouts um, in which uh, uh, they they gained some meters, um, you know, with the hooker coming in on it and, and some peels and some, you know, the hooker and the, and the prop doing some work together. So I, I just think they fell short in the first half and the USA capitalized when they could. Um but the, the the fact is is that um, the U.S. was also committing penalties in the second half, and Uruguay instead of trying to put tries in the board, crept back in with the three um, with the three conversions on the hoof, and that really put them into a much better position uh, from which to come behind. They just ran out of time, um, and if you look at the score, I mean, three tries to one. Um, so the the U.S. didn't play bad. I I, I just thought that um, you know, like John said, it was a much closer scoreline than I think people expected, but they shouldn't have expected that. One thing I want to note: John made an interesting point. Um, the player driven mentality. I think that shows when you have certain guys hurt, like when Dolan went out in the, in the game in St. John's. That they, they mm-hmm. lost their line out identity because they don't have somebody that can go in there and and uh, be a target. And they need to develop that at a fair amount of positions. It's why I thought Cardi should have been in a fly half instead of McGee. Right. I mean, that's a fair point, though. There's a lot of people that feel very similar to you about that player choice and that 10 being such a pivotal role, uh, decision maker. And it's not that we're saying one is bad and one is right. good. We're just saying what well, who might have been a better fit for that matchup. Uh, and this is also to the same point that of other positions, the other big decision makers, Ruben de Haas, right, at number nine. There are a lot of people who say, okay, look, he had a really great game before, um, but was he the best pick for this one? And, you know, you could debate player by player, and that might be a whole other uh, range of uh, conversations there. But I like what you said, though, is, you know, Uruguay had passages of really great rugby. So you could argue that the game was theirs to actually win, really, but they just weren't as clinical as they could have been, and we know they can be because they have such famous performances like at the Rugby World Cup uh, taking on, uh, was it Fiji that they managed to be able to beat? Uh, And they did so against the odds. I mean, they were ripping off, including myself, right? I watched that game in awe, and it was was a piece of magic. But what also people have to realize is that Uruguay is not the, 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 the team of amateurs that traveled a few years ago. They now have their own professional league with SLA that is now progress, helping players to progress and become even better, just as the MLR done. So as we hail MLR for providing quality uh, 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 competition for our players to hone their skills, and now it's being translated up to the higher levels with USA Rugby, they too have the same thing. And even some of their players, Gaston Mires, um, who is, of course, the winger, also played MLR for, for the Toronto Arrows and was very successfully doing so uh, for a couple of seasons. So these guys are the more experienced team than they have ever been. So is it any wonder why it was a close match? 
you know, uh, and I think, you know, that kind of ties into John's point earlier. Um, and then to your point, uh, Rob, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to add to it. If there was another 10 minutes, I think that this could have been a loss. There was that <laughs> real potential. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly headed in that trajectory. So let's hand it over to Scott, the big guy Ferrari, to hear what he has to say. Let's get hot, baby. So you also have to realize, too, that last conversion was kind of an amazing kick, you know, Right. Not a lot of guys can make that kick. So, you know, talk about uh, uh, Bercasey, you know, stepping up in, in, in a tough spot to, to convert that. So really, you know, it should be a six point win and not a three point win. You know, in my opinion, he just he just kicks an amazing, amazing kick that not a lot of people. You know, I would say on the next day, he doesn't make that kick, you know, in the same circumstance. I don't he probably he doesn't make that, kick. that day, though. But I think this comes down to the same thing that, that John and Rob were alluding to is for whatever reason. You, the the Eagles can't manage the ebbs of the game, um, and what happens is you have guys like Hank Hermesice, who you know it's funny everybody talked about Ruben Haas. Oh, he had a great game. Hanko scored a hat trick against 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 Canada. If Hanko doesn't score a hat trick, we don't we don't move on. You know, we might be playing. You know, who knows where we're at? So I mean, you know, for the for the world to come out and talk about Ruben DeHaas and not give Hanko Hermesis, and I think he had a try and a try and assist in the first Canada game. You know, and then this week he had he set up the Cam Dolan try, and that alludes to John about you know they're relying on Hanko and his individual effort that doesn't necessarily it plays to his strength, right? Hanko's a runner; he's up front, but. It doesn't seem like in the broader scheme of things that was something that the USA wanted to do. Hanko was aggressive. The Haas had the had had support, and then he bounces it inside to Cam Dolan, who's a veteran player and no support. That was that seemed to me to be three individual efforts, right? And yeah, that was great. We were on fire in the first half, and then the second half comes around, and we we have those ebbs where we're we're not producing offensively, and all of a sudden we're also on the back foot defensively. So I think we need to, I think John is right as far as finding identity offensively to figure Mm -hmm. that out. And then on, if you push the pace on offense, the defense will come. You'll be ready when defensively. Yeah. Excellent words there. I wanted to be able to just take a moment before we dive into dissecting some of that to be able to remind our viewers again, one of the other sponsors that help us do this each and every week is Can I Brands. And Can I Brands is definitely one of those great alternatives to prescription medication. It's non-habit forming as a CBD plant-based product. It is a wonderful, healthier choice to be able to relieve some pain, to be able to help you through the day, to be able to refresh, revitalize, and even help you sleep depending on what your needs may be be go and check them out online at canibrands.com they have an oral spray and they have a dropper version in addition to all their balms and lotions whatever you may prefer for your application they certainly have an option that may suit your needs but again go check them out at canibrands.com when you use the code rent 25 you'll get an additional 25 dollars off any particular item that you have chosen and once you add several items to your cart it'll become $25 off the entire purchase value so go ahead and add as much as you can in there and heading uh, or anything over $49 will actually get you free shipping anywhere in the continental US as well so again that's Can I Brands this one is the Can I Boost a little bit of a caffeine kick in it to give you a little bit of extra uh, oomph in your day this is one I particularly enjoy but the Can I Fresh is also a very powerful brand to be be able to just give you that little bit of extra in the day and help you get through whatever the next task may be. So go and check them out at canibrands.com using the promo code RENT25. 
So as we return to the comments from uh, Mr. Uh, Scott Ferrara, the big guy himself, kind of echoing similar themes from both of his competitors here and building upon that because he really identified one other great player that we hadn't had an opportunity to recognize, and that's Hanko Hermeses, right? I mean, this is the powerhouse leader up front um, at number six. He's really fulfilling his role, but it's that outside line that he took it in a flash uh, that brought out that piece of magic and connected with Ruben de Haas and that eventually connected with Cam Dolan. Um, and, and it made me think about when we said, you know, finishers need to finish. There were two great moments of finishers, right? Uh, connecting those those three players uh, to finish it with Cam Dolan, I mean, he he had the shortest distance to travel, but he had to be that position in, in position in uh, sorry, be in that position to to deliver. And then Christian Dyer on the far right hand side had a lot of ground to be able to make up to cross the line there. I think he made it on his way through about two tackles. Um, so even though it may have only been a distance of about five or six meters, there was still a lot of work to do. It's just all the other things that were left on the table, though, right? Well, that's, it's the malls yeah. and the lineouts. So, right, we have an aggressive mall and lineout in the first half, mm-hmm. and that's not working in the second half. And here's something I feel like Gary Gold should be looking at. Look right. at what Rooney did, and this was a this was a a thing, you know that that um, Rooney was doing when Rooney's lineout wasn't working. They ran that fake lineout play. Hanko would have the ball. He wouldn't actually bind. He'd do a pop pass to whoever's coming across. And sometimes it was even a pop pass to a guy like Ben Benasso, you know, his, his, his counterpart uh, on, at flank. It didn't have to be a back, but you know what was mm-hmm. happening? You had a, a decent runner hitting the gain line at speed. You had all your forwards, the opposing forwards converged on him, and the back line was kind of flat-footed because they're just assuming it's going to be another rolling ball. Yeah. You know, we I, have I to know. have that, that, that change. We have to have that adjustment because when stuff, stuff isn't working, you can't continue to do the you same thing. You need thing. to be dynamic. You can't just have the same tactic, right? You need to kind of keep things mixed up for sure. John, I can see you want to jump yeah. in. Yeah, 100%. The dynamic part is what gets me. And honestly, watching that game, the only thing I could I could see or think of was I guarantee you, either Gary, or I don't want I can't say a bad word about my man Pitts, but either Gary or Pitts, they got some sort of this ridiculous talk of like, hey, you have to earn the right to go wide, and you saw them playing that where they were they weren't going out the back, they weren't spinning the ball wide. It was like three or four forward phases. That it's like Uruguay will eat that up. Uruguay will right. They were they were matching them in physicality and all the breakdown. They will match everything. If you run a forward pot at Uruguay, you're going to get tackled. It doesn't matter if you're bigger, stronger, faster. You're getting tackled. They're great at it. It's their their that is their identity. And I'm sitting there. I'm watching the game. I'm like, they sat in this damn meeting room and told these guys, "You got to earn the right to go wide. You got a physical blah 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 blah." Like, no, you don't. You don't have to do that anymore. Those days are gone. Spin the ball wide. Get on edges, get soft shoulders, start being dynamic, show different pictures, and then the middle opens up, right? And how many times have we seen a guy like Mika Cruz get the ball, right? He gets the ball. Mm-hmm. He he takes on two tacklers on the defense, and it's a crushing hit. And you know that takes a toll on the defenders. And then they go around the other side, and all of a sudden there's a channel. So, again, it's not like there's not tape on this constantly just from the 2021 yeah, season. Now, for me, yeah, that's, that's, by the way, there, that's, right? how the, that's how the Dolan try started. If you remember, right. he came up hard and strong on a run. Mm-hmm. He knocked it. He knocked the tackler back a couple meters, and yeah. then the next phase was Hanko moving forward. Well, what for I me, thought to be a really nice team try. But yeah. I, I, you know, here's the thing: I would like to see uh, more planned runs with with uh, Bryce Campbell coming in at a hard angle on a soft shoulder um, yes. from uh, from right. like you you know, inside outside angles, line yeah. off the fly half, or right. even um, um, uh, thirteen. 
Someone help me. Uh, Tavita Lepetti. Lepetti. Send him on that. That's all the guy wants to do is murder other human right. beings. We've got some, we've got some really strong backs, you know, right. um, you know, from, from, I, I mean, think when AJ's, yeah, again, when AJ's in there, he's obviously a linchpin, but I think we can mm-hmm. rely more on some of those, you know, our, our centers to take yeah. some of that burden off when he's not. So two things I wanted to be able to bring up, and I, I, I want to return to it before we get too far away. And we talked about dynamic play. For me, one of the most dynamic players of the day was actually Mika Kruse. Um, the reason being is he came out of positional play. He inserted himself in the back line from his left wing all the way to the right to be able to connect, to be able to get the ball out to Dyer, right? So he mm-hmm. added that extra man there. And that was one of the few times that I had actually seen it connect as well. But he always wanted to be able to. He wasn't afraid to run that ball into that line. But on top of that, though, uh, to, to your point there, um, Rob, um, yeah, you're talking about, like, the – being inspired, having seen inspired play. And if you have AJ McGinty, it seems that the backline play just seemed more inspired, right? Because he had more options and he knew uh, how to command it. Maybe it's a question of leadership. Maybe it's a question of skill. Maybe it's a question of, of experience. Uh, or maybe it's just a question of depth. Do we have the depth so that when we're missing a player, do we really have great players that can fulfill that role to a very similar level? Well, that's the question. <laughs> yeah, that's the question. So you talk about Cam Dolan, right? Who's the one guy in the pack we haven't seen that was named to the 31 man roster in any of these matches, starting with the Canada, the first Canada game, Ben Bonasso, no offense to Andrew Guerra. Ben Bonasso has like four or five inches on him. So having Ben come in to be that second man as a jumper. So that way it's not always um, Nick Savetta going up. Cause as soon as Cam goes out, they know the ball's going to Nick Savetta, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's the reason their lineout's not working is because the only target then becomes Nick Savetta. And again, it's just, you know, Andrew doesn't have the height to be the jumper. So where has Ben Bonasso been? I mean, maybe he's injured, but again, uh, we, we don't have the lineouts. Do you feel that the lineouts were weak this time around? Well, I think the lineouts were better, but I feel like that's because you have Cam and Nick in. So when Cam and Nick mm-hmm. are in together, you can run the plays you want to run and you don't, it's, right. it's harder to defend because you have multiple, you have actual multiple people. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd like to see, I'd like to see him be that. a little bit more creative. Be a little bit more creative. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that, but I'm, I'm staying PC as possible. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, now you've piqued my interest, John. I love I love hearing second row talk. Scott knows how much I love that. But I, I think they could be a little bit sniffers. more creative at the lineup. You know, um, you know that we we know that they have uh, that they can get the driving mall going, especially mm-hmm. if you got like Fawcett, you know, driving at the back, but or or, or even uh, uh, Tafete. But um, why not run? You know, you do that a couple times, right? You get you draw the defense in. You, you get them thinking it's going to be another mall when you're close to the, run, the line, and then you run, you know, some kind of front peel or backside peel within your your uh, one of your centers screaming through on the mm-hmm. inside or outside shoulder, really, to get that gap. That's, That's a little petty play. That's a little petty play the, right there. The shield mall. So, like, we were trying to do a real fast mall, get going on them, and it wasn't working towards right. the end. There, it just started falling apart. So run that, run the shield mall, run that slow developing one. Right, and you just build that momentum. You'll take the hit at first. Yeah. You'll lose one or two, but you're going to build it back. Who yeah. cares? They're all in. And now you gave you give your back line three quarters of the field, and you can run whatever play you want with triple the space, and you're not worried about drive. You're not worried about winning. And then the you've earned the right to go out wide. Yeah, you just keep sucking them in. <laughs> well, that's, that's the other thing that, 
that I, w- I was looking at. And again, I think John hit it on the head about for whatever reason, they're not going out wide. Uh, why did you, ha- why did you bring up all these backs in the 31 man squad? If you're, you're going to l- just kind of sit there and not let them use it. You know, there's, there's a reason Marcel is, is playing, you know, fullback, you know, he's a little mm-hmm. older, you know, his body, he's, you know, has some, he, he's, he yeah, you know, he's great, but you know, it, he could he could step up and play wing, but you know he has some road miles on him. And there's this is the reason you, you brought the young guys up, and then you're not friggin' using it. Like it, I it just mm-hmm. where we play with an identity in America that is similar. Mostly MLR teams play similar, and I feel like the Eagles have decided to play a different style that doesn't suit anybody else besides like a Ruben DeHaas type player, you know? And right. it, it, and you're it talking about it define it like a Northern hemisphere versus Southern hemisphere style, which Correct. is a little bit more wide and expansive play from a Southern hemisphere. Words. Southern <laughs> hemisphere. But yeah, and, and it's not to, and it's not to say you can't use that style to box kick yeah. in certain areas because I think Rooney's mm-hmm. told that line. I think San Diego's told that line. But when it wasn't working, they've gone to let's throw it out. Let's, let's run some plays and see what happens. Right. And for whatever reason, we hold steady with that. So, so, gentlemen, I'm now going to turn the attention to being able to kind of get some, 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 uh, quantify the performance here. So, I want you to be able to rate it on a scale of one to 10, how great a performance it was. And we're going to kind of air towards the positive because it was still a win. It's relevant. Yes, there are le- lots of lessons to be learned before next week. So, that's the second part. I want you to identify what you believe, uh, this, the rating is for this past match. And what do you think the prediction would be for the next as they meet in Montevideo, Uruguay, for the second half with only a slender three-point lead uh, going into the second part of this Rugby World Cup qualifier? So, John, we'll start with you where we started this round. I'm going to give them uh, 7.8, so a C plus. You know, they, they did their job. It, you're expected – this is, you know, the, the the doldrums of success and professionalism, right? They're expected to beat Uruguay in a ro- rugby World Cup qualifying match. Words, um, <laughs> and you did the job. You you let it slip at the end, so you know that takes the grade down. Let me say a C plus. You got the job done, not the way you wanted it to. Going into next week, I'm going to say it's going to be eerily similar, and I will say. 2320. Eagles. Two to the Eagles. Eagles. All right. Good stuff. I like it. 2320. Is that what your final score was? You said 2320. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's I think it's fair. It's gonna be a higher scoring game slightly then. All right, let's hand it over to Rob. Um, I'm gonna go with an eight. Uh, I'm not gonna, you know, dissect it into you know point point fives and eight point one two five nine six yeah. <laughs> round it up with an a. C plus. C plus. <laughs> I, I, I thought they i thought they played um fairly well um i yeah I, my concern is the penalties they have got to yeah. knock off the penalties and i think it's going to be their death nail in montevideo because and, and what do you I bring think what you're going to find what you're going to find hold on what you're going to find is that they're going to commit those penalties and Uruguay is going to get smart and they're just going to take the points. And yeah, the well, they did so successfully. The crowd is going to build as they start accumulating mm-hmm. points, whether they're behind or they're in front. And and I think that's going to be to their success. I actually think that Uruguay is going to win by three. Do you want to share a scoreline? Um, yeah, 25-22. Okay. 
Yeah, so you also think it's going to be a slightly high-scoring affair. I just, I just think it's going to be tough. And I, I've, yeah. heard, I've heard, I've heard Fee talk about playing in some southern uh, South American countries and and just talking about what a nightmare it is. I, I think that's going to take its toll. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Montevideo is uh, is is not Glendale, Colorado, and I mean that right. uh, in so, for for so many different reasons, right? But let's turn uh, to uh, to Scott to hear what his final thoughts will be. Uh, I'm giving that performance a solid eight, and the reason I'm giving it an eight is even though we had a couple of those penalties at the end, usually we have a drastic issue. Something happens, whether it's a bad kick, badly kicked ball in a very opportune time or a card for doing something we really shouldn't have been doing. You know, And I'm not talking about, oh, you know, we hit him in the head on a high tackle because the guy was going down and what you know it, it's you know we have those weird cards we get that didn't happen this match you know it felt like they that throughout the match they weren't going to make that I, I'll call it a big mistake you know um, and we did it um, so that's why I'm giving them an eight even though the score line was a little tighter I'm going to go with the Eagles minus five I'm not giving it a complete score but I'm going to say they're going to win by five um, you know, aggregate, they're going to get that, that America's number one. But I do think it's going to be tough. I think Uruguay punches us in the mouth, in the mouth, excuse me, for the first 20 minutes. Um, but I think we stem the tide after that and we start to roll on them a little bit and build on some of the things we were doing uh, up front. Hey, yeah. by the way, didn't Dyer save uh, almost a catastrophic try at one point? Yes. Was it a, was that the one where Dahas's kick got uh, um, boxed? Got- yeah, it, yes, that's it, right. It got tipped, yeah. And, so but we damn near had it. Yeah, but I don't. I don't. Honestly, very when you're doing, uh, yeah. But again, it's one of those things. You know, a, a box kick can be blocked. You know, it wasn't bad off the foot. You know what I mean? It was a good individual effort by another player. Well, I don't want to go too far down this, but it's not the first time we've we've seen right. him not checking his posts before the box kick, right? Right. Uh, and it has been. I mean, I, I think of even uh, stiffer competition like with England. I think that happened, and there was a try scored yep. against them. Uh, and then it happened again, second time in the game, although it didn't actually end up with a try he ended up scoring off the same thing. So it's kind of like yeah. with the Haas, I feel like it's like you don't know what version you're going to get on the day. And then um, easily, what talking about is Uruguay, easily correctable mistake Ur- too. Right? Uruguay went right. for a drop goal. But my point is like Uruguay went for a drop goal almost seemingly in front of the sticks and completely missed and kicked it into touch. Like that was like, you know, that's right. the three points. Right there. All of a sudden it's a tie match. Now it's a tie match, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking about the head-to-head nature of these two, I have an interesting fact to be able to share. So prior to this matchup, uh, the two sides had met 17, sorry, yeah, 17 times. The USA coming out with 14 wins. Uh, the draw was once, so it actually, sorry, it was, it was 18. I was right initially. It was one draw. Total points for the U.S. was 578 against Uruguay's total points scored over those contests of 311. 72 tries to 29 for Uruguay. 61 uh, highest was the, the highest score was 61 to 13 in 2018. But the last contest, between the two was the most interesting of all, where in fact that was in 2019. Of course, February 2nd is the date that USA lost to Uruguay 35 to 25. So even though it may seem very small number that Uruguay has come off being the victor in recent history, they've continued to grow and become more professional. So, you know, score lines so unflattering of 60 plus where the U.S. can put numbers against them are done. And that was shown with this last matchup. I think you're all right. I think it's going to be close. I think it might be three points. 
I think I, I hope that the USA does enough to be able to just get it. And that three points that they go into Montevideo with that in their pocket might be the difference because it might be a one point win or a two point win even for Uruguay. But that three point lead might be all they need to make the difference because it is over two matches. And I remind our viewers that with the Rugby World Cup format of the qualifiers, I should say, they're both competing for an opportunity to make it into Pool A alongside New Zealand, Italy, Ireland, and another team from from Africa to be able to join that pool to eventually make up the five teams that'll be in contest in Pool A, which is often referred to the Pool of Death. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, ooh, <laughs> that sounds so awesome. Let's get a win so we can be in the Pool of Death. <laughs> right. So perhaps it means nothing. <laughs> but, you know, it's the it's the opportunity to be there. And who knows? Maybe Italy could be that one upset that they get, right? Um, but... You know, we'll see. Right now, you got to take the task at hand. You got to be able to take on the challenge right in front of you. And that will be in Montevideo next week, where Uruguay play host to the US. And we will probably be talking about that as well. And you can continue to be able to enjoy our show on the Rugby Network each and every week by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can also see us online through our social media, where we will release a new rugby debate episode before uh, before it comes alive. At of course the rugby network and you can follow us again under the handle at rugby rant pod before we head out here we must mention one of those other incredible partners that help us do what we do each and every uh, week so to run you through that we're going to hand it over to our resident uh, uh tight head ambassador rob hammerschmidt thank you ty and uh, once again we want to talk about one of very very special supporters and partners throughout the mlr season and now here into the fall international season tight head brewing company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, Brewster and the tight end staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Come to tight end and celebrate their 10-year anniversary of putting on and, and brewing such great quality ales and lagers. Uh, celebrate in their tap room. Um, it is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy a wide variety of brews on tap. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Thank you for those notes there from Tighthead Brewing, a wonderful spot to be able to enjoy your rugby when you're out there in Chicagoland. So let's turn our attention to be able to recognize who's going to be the winner of our rant. Well, John Cullen came out with an extra point. He quickly lost that with a yellow card. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> puts him at about even. Um, so we see Rob taking up the reins over there. So, uh, and, you know, this was a really interesting one. And I think that one of the points that resonated, well, a couple of the points that resonated with most was that USA does not yet have a properly you know, identified their, uh, their style of play, you know, what they're known for. Uh, on top of that, you know, you, you guys all mentioned in some different version that they're kind of player focused. Um, and then we identified some players that have been consistent, some that have kind of been inconsistent. Uh, but it was about being clinical. And you said you all agreed that, you know, finishes need to finish. And that was one of the points that Rob had brought out at first. And there's a lot of people that agree with that. There's a lot of people that find that important. Um, you, Scott, you know, you also referenced about the, the importance of the lineouts. You know, these, these, these areas where traditionally the U.S. has been successful, but in this time around, 
uh, was was definitely challenged in some areas where we thought they might have been more successful. Uh, ultimately, I think I'm actually still going to hand this one to uh, to John. Oh, that's <laughs> bullshit. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's just straight bullshit. They all agree did he, how much did he pay? He's time? afraid John's going to throw a rucksack oh, on and walk over across the road that. to Des Moines. Yeah. And, and uh, what's that Venmo at? You know, what's hide that Venmo the bushes at? and tackle yeah, yeah, yeah. tie when he's not looking. <laughs> I said cash, credit card, and any other form of payment. <laughs> uh, so, John, uh, with this uh, historic win, uh, how do you feel? Uh, I feel great. Took an L on the last one, so I had to redeem myself. Um, came out swinging, and Scott and Rob just agreed with me in their own version. So I think it was a, uh, <laughs> a qualified win. There was an echo in the room, was there? <laughs> So once again, uh, we remind our viewers that you've been watching another great episode of our rugby debate format for the Run Parcel Kick. Sorry, I stand corrected for the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Uh, it's really a great opportunity to be able to get a few of our friends together and talk about rugby. And if you would like that opportunity, let us know because we encourage all of our fans to join us on the show and become a ranter in their own right. And you can follow us online under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod or go ahead and comment down below and you may be say i could beat john i could beat rob and i could beat scott if so we'll give you the opportunity to do it. so for myself and the team we wanted to once again thank you for tuning into another episode here of the rugby rant and we will continue to see you each and every week on our social media under the handle at rugby rant pod and of course on the rugby network my name is ty Braga your host for today's activities, alongside Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott the Big Guy Ferrara, and on behalf of our winner here today, John Cullen, thank you for watching, and we will see you (laughs) at the next. Welcome back, rugby fans, to the second half of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And on this occasion, we're going to be talking about Premier Rugby Sevens. And in particular, we're going to take time to highlight some of the standouts in the teams, what we think the best teams may be, and the predictions for the Premier Rugby Sevens taking place October 9th in, of course, Memphis, Tennessee for the first of what we hope will eventually become many of this first professional sevens league within the United States that is hailed as an opportunity for both men and women to compete on the same stage. So we're going to hand it around the table to give us each a viewpoint on who they think is going to be the best standouts, some players they think you should pay attention to, and a little bit about Premier Rugby Sevens in general. And let's start this round where we ended the last with Mr. Big Guy himself, Scott Ferrara. Go ahead. <laughs> We're still cooking, baby, even if ties off kilter a little bit. I had to remind so, myself who was next. I'm like, wait, don't get it wrong. <laughs> and uh, so the, the the men's team I'm going to talk about, I'm, uh, the team I'm picking to win the whole thing uh, is the locals. Um, and here's – let's go down. Obviously, captain by uh, Fly himself, Carlin Isles. You can't beat that. But you have young guys like Connor Buckley, you know, um, um, the third option at, at Fly uh, – excuse me, at um, – at, uh, uh, Scrum half at Rooney uh, playing his college ball at Iona College. Um, you have Nola center Ross Depperschmidt on that team. Uh, Marcus Tupuola uh, is another guy on that team. And then you have a guy I want to talk about, um, Sonny Ajayi. Now, he's a Rooney guy. Uh, he was picked up late in the season as as injury cover, and unfortunately he didn't get uh, any playing time in the 2021 season. Um, you know, Chicago youth playing for, for – uh, the Lions when when Fee was coaching there, um, you know, high school All American at fly half, um, 
you know, he was he was playing pretty much all over the world, uh, even before he went to went to college. Davenport, you guy, um, then uh, uh, returned to the Lions, moved to New York, old blue. Anyway, I think that's a guy you need to watch. The reason you need to watch him, he's quick, he's young. Um, he didn't get a lot of film in the MLR, and I think this is his time to shine. He's going to get a lot of playing time here. It's going to push some of these MLR teams to really take a serious look at him. Um, one of the other teams I want to take a look at uh, – was excuse me uh was the loonies um you know my boy chris matina is on that team and you also have another iona guy john powers on that team and um carm Constellino, who we just had on the show uh we just interviewed on the show is on that team i think they're going to be a great team uh working together uh steven thomason captaining that team as far as the uh women's teams i'm going with my girl naya tapper the headliners uh you know we just had naya on the show on monday um and I, you know you have players like uh, rachel strasdis Excuse me, and um, and Katie Johnson on that team. It's quick team. It's a team that's going to pound you um, defensively. They're going to complete all their tackles, and you know my girl Nia's captaining. I can't can't complain about that. Yeah, those are some really great players, and you identified some teams that really jump out for you. You know, before we dive into it, let's kind of get a better view from uh, from Rob and see what he might think. So uh, uh, there's there's what my head tells me and what my heart tells me. My heart tells me to go with my guy, assistant coach Dave Fee, and the and the experts. Ooh. But <laughs> um, the guy he promises to take you on. I love you, Fee. I love you, one. Fee. Um, but I'm going to be honest. My head tells me the team is the way to go, even though they have the worst looking kit on the whole lot. Uh, the team has has some uh, some firepower. Um, they're strong. Uh, they got some pace. You have the likes of Barrett. You got Ryberg. You got Harley Wheeler. I'm interested to see how Wheeler's doing. He hasn't been uh, playing rugby. We haven't seen him in action in a while, in over a year. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what he brings to the table. And then they have some guys that are near and dear to my heart. Skylar Mitchell, um, uh, LU kid, uh, Colson Warner, the same thing. And, of course, my man, Christian Roddy Rodriguez. I can't wait to see him play a little sevens again. Um, but uh, watch out. Um, cause they've got some other guys with great nicknames. They got, um, Aaron Martin or Aaron Martin called the flash. He's got to have that nickname for a reason. <laughs> they got, of course, uh, Thomas Isherwood, who's Straight called the, the mullet man. I mean, if you've seen that blonde mullet flying yeah, around, Chris Matina has a better mullet. I'm, I'm putting, I'm sorry. I got to interrupt. Put him against sure, Chris Matina. That's fine. That's fine. I just don't count this in my, it's my time, sir. <laughs> Put him and Chris Matina in a mullet challenge and Chris Matina is going to win hands down. No, no oh, have you seen the mullet man's mullet? Dude, oh, Chris come Matino. on, bro. I got to wonder, what's the superpower for mullet man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he's running, when you're running behind him, it gets all in your hair and face and right. stuff. You can't find him. <laughs> um, so, so I'm, uh, I, I think uh, they're, they're my uh, uh, pick to click. Uh, I'm going to go with the loonies on the women's side. Uh, Elev Kelter, uh, Joe Asamong. Um, they've got the, you know, physical abilities. They got some pace. I think they have a nice balance to their uh, attack and defense. Uh, that's necessary to win the sevens. Nice. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of great names. And I love the fact that I also kind of lean towards the the team for two reasons. One, we recently had uh, Danny Barrett on the show talking about that in one of the RPKs. Uh, he was announced as the captain. Uh, but, there, you know, in all the teams, to, to Scott's point, they've kind of peppered in some of the younger talent, uh, which is a great opportunity for them to get more game time, to get noticed and possibly further their careers uh, or to be able to kind of stamp by their authority and show what they're made of so they can kind of get a roster spot uh, and maybe in a starting lineup in the near future in the MLR. 
Uh, Aaron Cummings is a great example with uh, with that at, uh, at the the team. Um, and then you know, with you got uh, guys like uh, Johnny Ryberg and you said Christian Rodriguez, who recently both were at Rugby Town Sevens competing uh, then as the SoCal Griffins, who did relatively well in that contest. So you know they're already building across, uh, on up on some of that uh, that that they've had, and of course that continues with their time at the Giltinis too. Um, so it's interesting to be able to see how they kind of brought players in from different clubs, from different sides, and they paired them together. I wonder if thinking about, hey, these guys are from the same club. Let's put them together. Um, so it'll be interesting to be able to see. Uh, let's hand it over to, uh, to John to hear what his thoughts are. Uh, yeah, Scott, your East Coast bias is absolutely sickening. Just because they <laughs> <laughs> Ain't it great to be a Gale? Yeah, I, hey, if I'm over on that side of the, of the world, I hope you feel the same about me one day. But um, I am going to do a couple shout-outs. I'm going to give the most talented team to the loggerheads. Uh, that's a little okay. dark horse. But just raw ability, loggerheads. The team team is going to murder people on the seventh right. I If they don't orchestrate a way of having Danny and John next to each other for five plus minutes. Whoever that coach has failed, but they are going to <laughs> murder some humans out there. And I can't wait to watch those two rumbling, bumbling, stumbling down the field, but I'm going to go a little bit of a dark horse. I'm going to go with Wiley veteran leadership because of condensed schedule, short practice times coming together last minute to get this done. And I'm actually going to go with the headliners with the likes of Falau, Peter Tiberio, Tim Stanfield, and going old leadership coming together quicker, not falling for stuff, being able to know the game a lot better player sooner. coach, Tim Stanfield, player coach. Yes. And on the women's side, I'm going with Rob. I'm going with the Loonies. I am a diehard Alev Kelter fan. She is an absolute beast. Um, and I have a super funny clip of my daughter watching Alev run people over in the sevens and pointing <laughs> at the screen and screaming. Um, so I'm pretty much locked in that I'd have to root for a left Steve, no matter what. And we'll be sharing that on all social media, hopefully soon. Right, John? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love right. it. No fan too young. Right. <laughs> hey, by the way, I have a funny, funny story about um, the, uh, uh, about the, uh, the team. So they're coached by, as, as you mentioned, John, uh, to E Osborne, and I'm talking to Fee one day. And Fee Great goes, coach. Great coach, too. He goes, he goes, it's funny. He has one strat, or he goes, he has three strategies that he, that he emphasized with the guys. And I go, oh, yeah, what's that? He goes, it's the three Ds. Deckel, deckel, and deckel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the team is stacked. They're my second choice. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to, I got to, I got to roll with full. I've got four former teammates on the headliners. So. Right, go so you got some loyalties that. there. Um, and, you know, the headliners, I wanted to kind of just review that quickly. Um, but all the teams have really got a lot of great, uh, you know, diverse talent. And I think they thought, thought about that. You know, they looked at the player pool and they're like, well, how do we spread it out evenly so we can make sure that it's competitive, 
right? You don't want one too heavily stacked, although we feel like one may be more than another. Uh, but you still want every game to be as competitive as possible because it creates a greater rugby product, right? And and that's what this is about. They're, they're now promoting a new rugby product. So it has to be entertaining. It has to have great value. It has to be exciting because you might only get one shot at it. And especially in what, what some have argued is maybe not the rugby-rich cultural city that they could have chosen. But then again, it's a wonderful hub and a great place to be able to encourage new fans to the game. And we've always argued this point back and forth with lots of our guests and our debates that arguably so, Sevens might be the best format of the game to introduce new fans. So, you know, they've, they've steered away from tradition with the names. They've steered away from tradition with the venue. You know, so I, I, I kind of applaud them for the bravery in it, but, you know, only time will tell whether it was brave or stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think one that you were talking about exciting teams and, and one we didn't talk about was the women's loggerhead team. Right, um, okay, yeah. Abby Gostitis, uh, uh, Izzy Cerullo, um, Jazz Gray, who, who Nia Tapper mentioned is one of her best friends, coached by uh, my friend Tiffany Faye. I mean – that's a stacked women's team that I think is going to do some damage. I I I, I like them too, except uh, I mean Gesaitis, which is she's huge, uh, just so so critical. Is is she injured or is she good to go for this weekend? I'm not sure if she's good to go. I heard that she might have been nicked up, but I gotta be honest. You could put in like a Megan Foster there. Um, and I think it'll it'll be a good a good swap. Okay. Um, and listen, you coach from the sideline when you're injured. John knows he played. Just because you're injured doesn't mean you're not going to sit there and get get your team going to to make a good play. And there's you know a lot of good names on the team and great coaching. I think the loggerheads, women's loggerheads, got a real shot. You know, I and and I want to talk about just for a moment the team that excites me. John mentioned the loggerheads and the male side. I mean, some of the yeah. names on there: Lance Williams, Key and Barry, Patrick Madden, uh, Osefo. Um, Demonte Noel, and then my guy from Nola, Devin Short. I mean, there there's some monsters on there. They could really they yeah. could really surprise some people. And and a lot well, of them, you know, although they're young, are experienced already and great. You know, a lot of them came up through sevens. Kian Barry, as well as a great example. Um, Demonte Noble, another great uh, yeah. talent. Um, so yeah, so I think that you know that's another team that's got a pretty good lineup. But let's go once around the table to be kind of solidify your your choices here. And if you had to make a final pick of who you think is going to take it on the men's side, and then of course the ladies' side, uh, let's go once around the table again, starting with Scott Ferrara. Your final thoughts? Um, well, I, I think I made it known with my East Coast bias, um, but the locals—that's uh, like supposedly supposed to be the East Coast team—is the locals. Um, so I'm going with the locals to win, but you know, as, as Rob said, uh, Dave Fee's team, the experts, you know, Perry Baker's on that team, a young guy for, uh, who's playing out of LA, uh, Watson, Philly Katanga's on that team. And I think Watson is another guy who kind of got lost in that LA, um, Giltini's yeah. scramble because they right. just had more senior guys. It wasn't his ability. They just have senior guys that could play. I think he's going to put on a show in this, uh, this PR sevens. Yeah, excellent choice. And again, you know, it's you know, it's really hard to be able to pick just on the players alone because there is so much talent all around. So you have to just kind of throw your opinion in there and go, well, this is what I think is it's going to be. And Scott has shared some some great ones there. Let's hand it over to Rob Hammerschmidt. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my choices at the at the front end. Um, I'm going to go with the team. Uh, like I said, I just think they have some monsters that uh, that can run some people over when they need to, and they have a few finishers in there as well. Um, and so that's on the men's side and the women's side. I'm going to go ahead and go with the loonies. Like I said before, I just think they have a nice balance uh, with with uh, you know the defensive ability, but an awesome attack as well. Awesome stuff, yeah. 
let's hand it over to uh, to John. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think all good points. I think I'm still. I'm gonna stick with veteran experience, leadership, ability to come together, and obviously, you know, Falau Neo with ball in hand. You know, is the magic man. So. Sticking with the headliners and then, again, staying true with the uh, loonies for the women's side. And, yeah, go left. Awesome. Well, I guess we'll all find out who is going to be right and who's going to be wrong come October 9th. As a little bit of additional information, if you are there in person, we hope many of you might be able to attend it uh, in Memphis, Tennessee at AutoZone Park. Don't forget that the big guy is going to be our, uh, I would say, our on-field representative, hopefully. Um, he might not be allowed on the field, but he's going to find his way there. Uh, <laughs> he'll get off. He'll get on, but he'll get kicked off. Yeah, come take right. pictures with me. I'd love to see the fans. You know, come come hang out with me. Let's grab a beer. I'm going to be doing some live stuff on our Facebook Live, so watch out for that. Um, giving some updates on players and scores and, and standings and things like that. So Big be guy, on the lookout this Saturday. Is there any truth to the rumor that you're going to be a medical joker for uh, the event? No, yeah, well, Fee reached out to me personally. Uh, the experts are looking <laughs> for my my uh, you know my my status there as a medical joker, yeah. just in case P. Bake gets hurt. The big guy steps in. That's how yeah. It works. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We're, we're just saying, though, but, you know, thinking back, though, we're still waiting for that great challenge between you and that sprint off with Foden. So we could just replace that with a Perry Baker matchup. Um, there we go. <laughs> I will dust. I will dust P. Bake because off the off the off the start, I will trip his ass. Trust me. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to secretly you tie his shoestrings together before he gets going. Enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, John, I am not. I am not past just barreling into his entire body. and on that note uh, i'm sure it's going to be quite the spectacle not only will it be so out in the field with a great rugby product but you might be lucky enough to be able to see that rare matchup for uh for scott ferrara out there right but uh he's going to be making sure that he gives you some insights while he's live there a little bit of an insight of what the stadium is like a bit of the vibe and a bit of the energy uh but most of all Give yourself the opportunity to enjoy it if you are in town. If not, make sure you check it out online. Uh, you could watch it, I believe, through their portal. But in addition, those for international viewers, I should add, uh, go and check them out on their website. But for local viewers in the U.S., you want to tune into Fox Sport 2 between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to be able to catch some of the late, later rounds where the competition is going to be off at its tightest and it's going to provide a really great rugby enjoyment for everybody and really showcase the talent that that's on offer at that level for sure. Uh, in addition to that, our Canadian brothers and sisters will be uh, given the opportunity to enjoy it on the familiar TSN. Uh, check your local listings for what the time might be for you, uh, but give yourself the opportunity to check it out because this may very well be the next big rugby uh, tournament league, whatever you want to call it as it grows. It may very well include cities across the nation, uh, but it is a wonderful opportunity, best of all, to be able to give women and men the opportunity to compete upon the same stage, uh, allowing equal footing for both. And we believe that the rugby product provided by both of them will be of great value. Uh, and you know which, which teams to look out for. Thanks to my colleagues here, you know which players to look out for. And we want you to continue looking out for more episodes here on the Rugby Rant. You can follow us online by following the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can see us on all our social media. In addition, you can continue to enjoy us on the Rugby Network. We will be showing a new episode each and every Friday. Now, I do need to take an opportunity to crown a winner. It's too difficult because, I mean... 
No, it's not difficult. I'm going to choose Rob because he chose the same thing I did, which is the team. <laughs> John's like, it's all bullshit and it means nothing. <laughs> oh, a ranch where the rules are made up and nothing matters. That's right. Exactly, right? And the no, no. There's one thing wrong. that matters, John. Exactly. One thing that matters. Scott did not get a win today. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, the best opinions, the most solid advice, the things that are 100% true – didn't get a win. Yeah, that's that's not how it works on this show. You know by now. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, it has been an absolute blast. But one of our great traditions before we head out is to be able to hand the mic to our guest for an opportunity to send a shout out to anybody important or a special cause you want to draw attention to. John, please take the floor. Um, I guess oh, this will be similar, but I will give another shout out to the Des Moines Rugby Club. Um, just celebrated the 50th anniversary of the club here in Des Moines. I was very thankful to be a part of that. Obviously, this is my first year with them. So it's very interesting to see the history, you know, meet the old boys. There was, I think we had four guys at the game who were legitimate original club founders were there. Wow, that's That's awesome. That's cool. They won at the field, guys who literally built the first barn that was the clubhouse where the field sits now. Four of those guys were at the game this weekend to watch us uh, put a good licking on Metropolis's D2 side. Um, Great celebration after dinner and all that. Um, And it was just, it it was one of those great moments to remind you what, rugby's all about what we do this for you know it's not always the stadiums and you know assessments and film review and this and that it's getting out on the field for 80 minutes you know with painted lines wherever you're at and playing the game that you love and enjoying it for generations before you and the generations to come so shout out Des Moines Rugby Club 50th shout out all club rugby in the U.S. and what you guys are doing continue to do it it's the backbone of rugby in the country so keep it up amen brother I like it. I like it. That is a very, very fair point. And you as a fan can also continue to be able to help. And we always like to be able to share this one important point for us here on the Rugby Rant. We try to grow rugby one fan at a time. And you can continue to be able to help grow rugby by supporting your local team or go and pay a ticket to bring a friend with you, go watch a game, support the vendors, support the sponsors, whatever it may be. Every little bit does help to growing rugby here in North America. And we certainly need the help, all the help we can get if we want to be competitive at the Rugby World Cup coming up in 2023. And as a reminder, you've been watching the show where we debated the previous matchup between USA and Uruguay. The next week, we will be able to revisit this as they compete against each other one more time to see who will take the honors and take that spot in Pool A for the next Rugby World Cup in 2023 as they meet in Montevideo, Uruguay, the this time around and uh, you can continue to follow us online under the handle at rugby rant pod or see us live or so i say see us each week on the rugby network my name is ty braga your host for today's activities alongside rob the hammer hammerschmidt and scott ferrara the big guy himself and of course our guest of honor who took one win today john cullen formerly from the utah warriors and of course a usa eagle and now des moines rugby club thank you for watching another great episode of the rugby rant podcast show and we We'll see you at the next.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.